I love the Beloved Conversations program. All the readings, the small group meetings, and the worship services have really helped me live out our UU belief that we are all interconnected. None of us are free until all of us are free. Something I need to be free of is my anger at having little connection with my family's roots. That anger comes up for me every time my son's elementary school holds its international potluck. I never could figure out why I hated this event until I took the Beloved Conversations program. For the potluck, we're supposed to bring a dish from our ancestral culture to share and even dress up in native dress and share a craft or a story from our ancestors. I never went. I figured that I wasn't international and I didn't have any happy memories of cooking with my grandparents. I grew up eating Bisquick muffins and Kraft macaroni and cheese and I wasn't going to share those. I didn't inherit any pride in my family's past. My grandparents never told me any stories about our homelands. My family was simply white with no particular ethnic heritage. I was jealous of the people who did have happy stories and delicious foods to share from their family's cultures. I felt alone in my discomfort and also confused by it. Where were these strong feelings coming from? I found an answer to my question in a reading that was part of the Beloved Conversations program. In the article titled, Roots Deeper Than Whiteness by David Dean, I learned that my grandparents had needed to separate themselves from their ancestors, from their ethnic identities, when they left their home countries and came to America in order to reap the benefits of being considered white. It was a transaction that gave them safety and security, but it had a cost. They stopped eating the food they had grown up eating, that their parents and grandparents had cooked for them so lovingly. They didn't pass down any stories to me. The love that came with the food and the stories was also lost when they severed their connection to their past. And what did they get in return? They got entry to the American middle class for their children. They got a feeling of superiority over everyone in America who was denied entry into whiteness. They got a sense of solidarity, however fragile, with other Northern European immigrants. They got jobs in sectors that were reserved for whites, and they got houses to rent or buy because they weren't redlined. I mourn for what they and I lost. Reading this article and talking about it with my beloved Conversations Learning Pod is helping me start to heal the rift they created with our past. It's helping me heal my relationship with them and forgive them for the pain they felt and that they passed down. They needed to survive and they made their choices. I can't change the past and I'm not responsible for it. And I can now reconnect with my ethnic heritage to see the pain and the loss my grandparents felt and forgive them for it and forgive them for cutting me off from my roots roots which I now know are deeper than this white American identity. If COVID dies down enough for the international potluck to return, I'm going to participate. I might bring Irish soda bread to honor my grandma Regina. The Beloved Conversations program has given me a way back to reclaim my roots so that I can feel love for my ancestors and I can heal myself. I can reclaim an identity that isn't wrapped up in whiteness. Good morning. 
I've been interested in the topic of racism for a number of years and was attending Amy's class called White Folks Dismantling White Supremacy when the murder of George Floyd occurred. That caused me to engage more fully in learning about racism and how I might be contributing to it. Last year, especially after attending the General Assembly, I got interested in efforts across the UUA to add an eighth principle regarding racism to our current seven. I thought that would be a good discussion for us to have here at UUCPA. But I quickly discovered that it is not easy to start such a conversation and that perhaps I should first take a deeper look at my own unconscious biases and behaviors. Right about that time, I became aware of Beloved Conversations Virtual. Since the first two courses in this series are about looking within yourself, I decided this would be a good course for me, and I was not wrong. I found the course meaningful, and even though I did not have the time to use all the various resources provided, I learned some important things about myself. And because I was in the white section of the class, there is a separate section for people of color, I learned new things about white culture, which I have absorbed throughout my lifetime without being aware this was happening. Probably the most important things I learned were about some of my own characteristics, which I had always considered to be just things I learned from my family while growing up, but which have apparently also been identified as characteristics of a white supremacy culture. The ones that struck me the most include my need to do things right, and often perfectly, in fact, my tendency to want to run away from an uncomfortable situation, and my fear of conflict. I had never imagined that these characteristics are also a part of a white supremacy culture, and hence things I need to let go of in order to transform myself and my relationships with people around me, especially those of a different background. This was an eye-opening realization for me, and I now think frequently about these tendencies of mine when I interact with others. Finally, I was both surprised and gratified at how nourishing the three Beloved Conversations worship services were. I learned how critical it is to have ways to sustain myself and to get support from a larger community as I do the work of inner transformation. The work is challenging, but I didn't, and I don't, have to do it alone. I would recommend the Beloved Conversations program to anyone who wants to explore more deeply the second principle of Unitarian Universalism, justice, equity, and compassion in human relations, or anyone who dreams of having a more diverse, multicultural community here at UUCPA. In keeping with the concept of radical welcoming, to which I was introduced by the recent welcoming congregation training, Beloved Conversations Virtual will help you to see how you can personally be not just accepting of others, but truly, deeply, and respectfully welcoming. And you will make new friends in the process. I hope some of you will try it out. <coughs> Letter from Our Better Angels, from Breaking and Blessing Meditations, by Sean Parker Dennison. Dear one, 
We have received your letter, and we hate to tell you, not hate so much, but are a bit afraid to say, we cannot grant your requests as stated, but can only remind you of familiar things. First, faith. Faith in yourself and trust in others. We know it can be terrifying to be vulnerable, but only when you share your softest side will we be able to break through. Next, hope. Hope is not an empty fairy tale. It is the true story of all the times human beings like you have found a way to create the future, though you didn't know how. And of course, love. Love that demands you cherish all people, not your, just yourself and safety. Love that is not satisfied until every argument ends abruptly when one child says, that hurts. There is so much to learn and relearn. The world teaches you to be hard, to negotiate and defend, to avoid giving too much and to the wrong people. There are no wrong people. You also are not wrong. And when you encounter the poor, the broken, the unhoused and the unwelcome, you are looking, if you pay attention, at us calling to you, calling you to answer your own prayers. If you want to change the world, first, be sure you are changing yourself. Be tender, be kind, be at peace, be all the things that you wish for. Be your own better self. It isn't without cost but it will be free. Being in beloved conversations and learning about racism, particularly my own racial identity as a white person, has liberated me. I feel a new sense of ease with myself paired with new responsibilities. To paraphrase Maya Angelou, now I know better, so now I can also do better. These changes and new understandings are so wide reaching for me, so profound that I could stand here all day and tell you about them. But I only have five minutes, so I'm gonna focus on just one particular moment of my learning. I'm going to start with a quote from Nice Racism, a book by Robin D'Angelo, the same woman who wrote White Fragility. While neither of her books is part of the Beloved Conversations curriculum, I'm pretty sure I would not have picked up Nice Racism had I not been part of Beloved Conversations already. Having taught anti-racism workshops for more than 20 years, Robin D'Angelo knows well the patterns of, behaviors, of behavior that white people enact when they are faced with racial discomfort. 
which is often just at the very mention of racism. One of these patterns that I recognize in myself, she calls carefulness. D'Angelo writes about the difference between thoughtfulness and carefulness. I'm going to quote her at some length. She writes, thoughtfulness can include being cognizant of the history we bring to racial encounters, being considerate about the language we use, being sensitive to group dynamics, and being attentive to our patterns and knowing the limits of our understanding. But thoughtfulness taken to the extreme can become carefulness, in which we are so cautious about making a mistake or offending that we end up engaging disingenuously. D'Angelo continues, the problem with carefulness was made clear to me when I expressed my fear of saying the wrong thing to a friend of mine who was black. I was worried about being too relaxed and then something awful slipping out. I had asked her, isn't it important for white people to be careful when interacting across race? She replied, Robin, do you think we can't tell when you're being careful? She paused and then added, how do you think white people look when they are being careful across race? D'Angelo continues, as I pictured myself being careful around black people in this way, I also saw why they experienced white carefulness, carefulness as racism. I certainly wasn't warm, relaxed, sincere, or open when I was being overly careful. Now, when I, Brooke Bishara, read that passage in D'Angelo's book, I happened to be waiting in the Houston airport for a flight back to San Francisco. My family and I were en route from Massachusetts where we had spent this past Christmas with my family. I made my way down the jet bridge and at the threshold of the plane, I looked up and there I saw two black crew members greeting me and offering me a sanitizing wipe for my seat. With no conscious thought, I gave them this giant smile and a big thank you, and then proceeded down the aisle to my seat. As I fastened my seatbelt, a realization struck. I had been greeted by a few different flight crews on this trip. And on those prior flights, some of the people handing me the wipes were white, some were Asian, some were Indian, and I had thanked them too but not as enthusiastically, not as purposefully as I had just thanked those two black crew members. Oh my gosh, there it is, I thought. There's my racial discomfort showing up. The difference is that now I can see it. I can notice it and I can start to imagine just a little bit how that over smiling might look and feel to the black crew members that I aimed it at. With my smile, I was subconsciously adjusting my behavior to prove that I am not a racist. My smile was, in an odd way, a demand or a need. I was asserting my innocence, 
even though no one had accused me of anything. The very presence of these two black women made me feel accused somehow. I sat there in my seat amazed, amazed that at age 48, I'm just now beginning to see the little tip of the iceberg of my own racial conditioning. And also amazed that my beloved UU denomination, which has and continues to struggle with institutional racism, has offered me this incredible avenue for spiritual and personal transformation. And also, I was feeling sad that I had flashed the smile so automatically, so instantly, and even more sad about all the other times I've caused harm to people of color because of my own needs and fears. And I knew at that moment and still know that this was not the last time I would do something like this. It will take a lot of practice to unlearn these ingrained cultural patterns. The leaders of Beloved Conversations told us participants over and over that this work is lifelong. Well, amen to that. Amen to the fact that I have the rest of my life to peel the layers and work toward collective liberation, both among my beloved UU community and in that great sea of humanity out there that calls for our full and genuine presence. Amen, amen, amen.